Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Uh, Good to be with you all here this morning. My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass. It's great to be in the presence of the Lord together with you. We are starting a new Lenten sermon series that will be in from now till Easter, focusing on prayer, and we're calling it Seek His Face, about seeking the face of God, going to the throne of God, and just seeking Him in prayer. So prayer is going to be our church-wide emphasis throughout Lent, and hopefully we can see the importance of prayer in the Christian life. And so today we're starting off by looking at how prayer fundamentally forms our souls. Prayer forms our souls. Uh, A.J. Swoboda, an author who wrote a book called After Doubt, uh, Bert was having us watch a video of of him doing an interview at staff meeting, and he told this story, and it's really stuck out to me, and I've thought it'd be a great way to introduce this series. He says that when he was growing up, his dad never taught him how to build stuff. When he was married and grew up as an adult, uh, him and his wife were building a fence together. And his wife told him, hey, I want you to go and go to the tool shed and get me a Phillips head screwdriver. And so he goes to the toolbox and he's looking. And in that moment, he realizes, I have no idea what a Phillips head screwdriver is. And so he's like sitting out in the garage, pacing, just overwhelmed at freaking out what I need to know what a Phillips head screwdriver is. And he said that I was overcome with this sense of shame. I should know what a Phillips head screwdriver is. I'm a man. I, I should have known this. I shouldn't have to go and ask my wife what a Phillips head screwdriver is. And so to cover his shame, he said, what he did is he took all of the screwdrivers they owned, and then he went to his wife and he said, hey, pick which one you want. And oftentimes when we think of prayer, I think many times we feel like A.J. Swoboda did in that moment, that we should know how to do this. We've been a Christian for a really long time. We should know how to pray, but in some sense, maybe we don't. And so we feel kind of that sense of shame like A.J. did, and it drives us to a place of we don't want to learn more about it because when we press into it, we feel shame about it. And so the hope for this Sunday and the hope for this series is that it can remove the shame that you may feel for not knowing how to pray, and that we can learn from the master, learn from Jesus, and see and learn from him, and learn very practical steps on how to pray and the purpose of prayer. So today we're starting off in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, and he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. 
It is often tried to throw him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it's a really fascinating story here in the gospels. Jesus and his disciples having this encounter with the demonic. And what's really fascinating, especially, is that Jesus had previously sent out the disciples and given them authority to cast out spirits and to heal people. And they go and they do it, and they return to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we cast out spirits in your name. And they answered to us, and look, we were doing it. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven when you were doing that. And so it's weird that in this passage that they had previously been given authority, they had previously been able to do it, but now here in this passage, they seem unable to do what they had previously done. Why is that? Jesus gives us the answer why they weren't able to do it, right at the end of that passage. After they had gone indoors to hide their shame, not asking in front of everyone, asked him privately, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And the Lord replied, this kind can only come out by prayer that this kind can only come out by prayer. So why prayer? Why is prayer so powerful? Why is it that this demon could only come out through prayer? I think we see a couple things in this passage that teaches us about how prayer forms us. The first is that prayer fundamentally connects us with God. Prayer connects us with God. In its most basic sense, when we talk and think about prayer uh, across all faiths, really. It's about connecting with the divine being. And in Christianity, we talk about connecting and having intimacy with the Lord. It's about connecting with God at its most basic sense. And here, it was interesting, the disciples were trying to cast out the demon, and Jesus reprimands them. This one can only come out by prayer. And I was doing some commentary reading, and one of the things that was a common thing that these commentaries talked about was that most likely what seems like happened as the disciples had this encounter with the demonic and they tried to cast out this demon on their own power and in their own strength rather than relying on God through prayer. It's a subtle form of unbelief that the disciples had that I don't need Jesus to do this. I can do it on my own. And it's a subtle unbelief that I think many of us struggle with too. I don't need Jesus. I can do this on my own. I don't need to pray about this. I don't need to connect with the Lord about this. I can handle this on my own. I mean, what's a common saying? There's nothing left that I can do but pray. As if prayer is some last resort that we do and we've exhausted all of our human strength, all of our human options now, sort of as a Hail Mary last ditch attempt, we're gonna try to pray. Rather than flipping it around on its head where the first thing that we're gonna do is go to the Lord in prayer the very first thing when we need wisdom or discernment, when we need uh, help and guidance, when we need a miracle to happen, we immediately go to the Lord in prayer. 
I think that's the paradigm shift that Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand. That Jesus, when he spoke of prayer, he says that it's, it's the source of faith's power and the means of its strength. That prayer here in Jesus' talking, it's the source of faith's power and the means of its strength. It's the way that we connect with the Lord, that we talk with God. We're in his presence. And it's the call of every single one of us. It's the call to be a follower of Christ, is to be in his presence, to talk with him, to have a relationship with him. And one of the main ways that we do that in our faith is through prayer. In the Methodist tradition, we call this a means of grace, which is uh, an ordinary channel, talking, that God uses to give us grace for the journey of life. So we talk with the Lord and he gives us grace. We pray to the Lord and he gives us grace. Alan Hood, one of the speakers from New Room, which is an annual kind of renewal refreshing conference that I go to every year. I'm gonna be sharing a lot of New Room stories just as an FYI during Lent. Uh, they talk about prayer all the time, so they gave me a gold mine of stories. But Alan Hood, one of the speakers from this past New Room, talking about this passage in particular, he makes the point that Jesus seems to be saying that there is no shortcut for spiritual maturity. There is no shortcut for spiritual maturity. In other words, he's saying that Jesus is saying that the maturity and authority to cast out this demon comes from one that's been formed of a life of prayer. That it's the long formation of prayer that you can then cast out this spirit. It's that daily slow formation in prayer that's not leaps and bounds. When we often think about our Christian life, we love experiences in the Christian life. I do too. I think that they're wonderful when the Lord meets us in a very profound, spectacular way, where we go from like zero to 100. But with prayer, it's often more like we go from zero to two, and then we stay at two for a while, and then the Lord takes us from two to three, and then eventually we'll get to 100, but that may be a lifetime or a few decades. It's a slow formational journey that God takes us on when we uh, choose to pray to him daily. Our sermon series is based off this passage in Psalm 27, 8. Uh, I love the NLT version of this, which says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. That's the Lord speaking. And my heart responds with, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm on my way. Lord, you've invited me to come and have a relationship with you. Lord, you've invited me to come and talk with you. And so I will respond, yes, I will come to you, Lord. Uh, I used to run a lot in college. I do not run anymore. Um, I had a lot more free time in college and a lot more care because I didn't have a wife then. And so now I don't run as much anymore. I love you, Erica. You're the best. But anyways, I'm very out of shape right now. Um, like we have stairs up here. Um, right outside our offices, and walking up, if I walk up the stairs too fast, I'll get out of breath, and I'll have to sort of pause and catch my breath before I uh, get up there and talk with people. It's not great. Um, I should get back into the habit of running. But if I tried tomorrow to run a marathon or a 5K, it would not go well. I could maybe do a short sprint for a short period of time, but if I'm going to do any type of long distance running, I'm gonna have to get back into the habit of running every single day or training my body to do that. And when Paul compares the Christian life, he compares it more to a marathon rather than a sprint. 
So why is it that so often we treat our Christian life like it's a sprint rather than a marathon? Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. It's that daily formation, that daily habit of being in God's presence, that figuratively, it's that practice of running every single day that God calls us, invites us into the dailiness of prayer, that it forms us and shapes us as we connect with the Lord. I've often found that there's a direct correlation in my spiritual life with my prayer life closer I feel with God is often the more that I pray, which makes sense when you really get down to it and think about it. I mean, just think about your own friends. When you talk with your friends more, are you closer to them? When your friends are far away and distant from you, do you feel as close to them as you did when they were in your lives every single day? Think about friends that you had a long time ago that you don't really talk to anymore. You were really close with them, but not really anymore because you don't really talk with them. If our relationship with the Lord sort of mimics human relationships because we are made in the image of God, then intimacy with him and being in his presence and talking with him daily is essential to our relationship with him. Erica had this vision uh, at the church back in Kentucky that we were at um, during our worship sermon series that we did back then. And it was this image of a tree that was planted next to a river and the river, the roots of the tree went down into the water of the river. And the, the tree was basically getting all of its nourishment, getting all of its water from the source of the river. And how that is an image of what our life in Christ should be like, that we are the trees that are planted next to the river of life. And when you take away water from a tree, it dies we take away our connection with the Lord, it shrivels and shrinks our faith. We don't pray, it shrivels and shrinks our faith because we stopped connecting with the source of the water of life. That's how important prayer is in the Christian life. Second thing we can learn from this passage about prayer is that prayer forms us by humbling us. Prayer forms us by humbling us. The story is really so fascinating. Once I sort of unlocked that the disciples tried to cast out this demon by their own strength, it's almost like the audacity of the disciples to try to do this. Like, can you imagine trying to be them and being like, you know what? I don't really need Jesus right now. I don't need to pray to God right now. Uh, I can handle this demon all on my own. Just like the audacity of being able to do that that they, didn't, they thought that they didn't need to connect to the source, that they could do it all on their own strength, all on their own power. And I, I've done some deliverance ministry before, and every time I do it, it's always so profoundly evident that Jesus is the one doing all the heavy lifting. And that's my job just to show up and be obedient to what God is calling me to do in the moment. You know, we so often think, 
that we don't need God as desperately as we do. But when we pray, when we choose to humble ourselves before God, and we choose to let him change us, to mold us, to shape us, we see that in our prayer, it humbles us because it makes us realize our daily dependence on God. I love this quote that I read in uh, Richard Foster's book from William Carey. He says this, prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all godliness. That prayer lies at the root of all godliness. Because when we pray, we give the Lord space to move and work and shape us in our lives. When you look back at all the great people in church history, just think of every single great person in church history, even your grandparents or your parents, just think about them. All of them were people of prayer. Every single great person in church history was a person of prayer because we cannot shortcut our way to spiritual maturity because it's through the long obedience that God forms and shapes and molds us and makes us, conforms us to the image of the Son. Eugene Peterson says this about discipleship, that discipleship is fundamentally a long obedience in the same direction, choosing to just take one step after another in the same direction over and over and over every single day. Richard Foster in his book on prayer. Oh, did I ever show you these? No? no. Okay, thank you, Erica. Uh, if you are a reader, uh, these are two great books on prayer. Uh, this one's by Pete Gregg, A Simple Guide for Simple People, How to Pray. And then this is Richard Foster's book, which is like, not the Bible of prayer, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, Richard Foster's book on prayer. Both great resources if you like reading. Um, Richard Foster in his book on prayer is a chapter on formational prayer. And he says this, the primary purpose of prayer is to bring us into a life of communion with the Father, that by the power of the Spirit, we are increasingly conformed to the image of the Son. None of us will keep up a life of prayer unless we are prepared to change. Read that again. None of us will keep up a life of prayer unless we are prepared to change. We will either give it up or turn it into a little system that maintains the form of godliness but denies the power of it which is the same thing as giving it up. I just love that quote. That when we pray, we need to go into it with this mindset of, Lord, you have permission to change me. I love what Joan's testimony said, that it was when she listened to the Lord, when she learned that it was not just a one-way, let me talk to you and let me tell you all my problems, but it was a, let me yield to you now, Lord. Hear your voice and let you transform me, that her prayer life transformed. Because that's the call of God in our lives too, is to let the Lord humble us and change us. A theme throughout Mark's gospel, a consistent theme, is the inadequacy of the servant. The inadequacy of the disciples, and then by extension, the inadequacy of us. But in the middle of the disciples' inadequacy, we see Jesus call his disciples to connect to him in prayer, to connect to God in prayer, to find the source of their strength in prayer. The remedy to a weak faith is prayer. Connecting to the Lord and being humbled by him and being formed and shaped by him is a gift. That prayer is a gift from God. I think oftentimes we overcomplicate prayer. You know, it's simply just talking to God 
and then letting him talk to us. I heard this quote at New Room. It really cut me when I heard it because it was very convicting to me. It said, uh, the speaker said this, your prayer life is exactly where you want it to be. In other words, your spiritual life, where you are in your walk with Christ is exactly where you want it to be. And to me, what I heard in that was that I was unwilling to change my habits. I was unwilling to let the Lord move in my life. I was unwilling to give God permission to change me like Richard Foster talked about. And so sometimes what we'll do is we'll keep God at arm's length when we pray. Lord, you can't come into this part of my life. I wanna keep this bitterness. God, I wanna keep this anger. God, I wanna keep this unforgiveness. You can't have access to that. You can't change that part of me. But it's not until we learn to humble ourselves before God and connect with him that he, he says, you know what, I wanna deal, deal with this. Let me, let me deal with this and let me, let me change this. Let me conform you to the image of my son. So the challenge, church, this Lenten season is fundamentally a challenge of prayer. To choose to pray, to choose to pray, to choose to say, you know what, I don't want my prayer life to be like it is right now. I wanna take the next step in obedience to where you're calling me, Lord, to just start talking with the Lord. Uh, This is kind of a good guide uh, from Pete Gregg's book, Pray. Uh, It's an acronym, Pray. These guides are always uh, never set in stone. You always have to pray like this. They're just good, like if you have no idea where to start, here's kind of a good just way to start. So P-R-A-Y, P, pause, spend some time in silence with the Lord, R, rejoice, be thankful for all the blessings God's given you. A, ask, that's ask the Lord for what you need. And then Y, yield, give space for God to speak and move in your life. Jim Cimbala said this quote, and I really love this. I'm gonna invite the band back up now. There are two types of pastors, those who pray and those who don't. There are two types of churches, those who pray and those who don't. I love that quote because it really just gets to the heart of what I think our hope and passion is for this Lent series, that we would become a church who prays, that we would become a church who sees the necessity of prayer, not only in our church life, but in our community life. You know, a church member asked me this week, what is it that I'm passionate about in ministry? And it kind of caught me off guard, and I've been thinking about that for a couple days now. And I think what I've been thinking is what I'm really passionate about in ministry is having you all see the beauty and glory and splendor of God. That I've seen a God who can transform lives. I've seen a God who desires so rich intimacy with us that it's sweeter than the sweetest thing you can ever think of. That intimacy with God is the greatest gift that our Lord has given us to sit in the temple of the Lord and gaze upon his beauty. So some different ways we're offering for y'all to pray this Lenten season. On Mondays, we're gonna challenge y'all to fast, to fast and pray. Uh, So we'll have our sanctuary open from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. if you wanna come up to the church during your lunch hour to skip lunch for that day and to pray for the church, pray for our community. If you have to stay at work, we get that. Um, So just pray wherever you are. Um, Fast and pray for the church. We'll have prayer points 
um, that'll go up on our Facebook page each week, and we'll have a Lenten uh, Spotify playlist that you can play while you pray so you can be worshiping with us in the sanctuary, and you can be worshiping with us in spirit. Um, another way that you can pray is as you leave, uh, you'll see these Lenten prayer guides. So these are real simple. They're designed to be done while you get ready in the morning. So I would just take it and tape it to your mirror. It has a daily prayer for y'all to do each day, and it's real simple. And then a bit of a longer midweek prayer, and then it ends with a historic prayer. This one's from St. Clement, uh, right at the 150 AD. And so friends, there's so many different ways that you can connect to pray for one another and to pray for the church this Lenten season because prayer is so fundamentally important that we have no power from the Lord if we don't connect with him in prayer. I wanna close with this Psalm 27.4, which says this. This one thing I ask, this one thing I seek the most, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in his temple. Another translation says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. And so we remember the beauty of God that on the night in which he was betrayed, he prayed for his friends, prayed a long prayer for his friends. And then when that was over, he took the cup or took the loaf And he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And then when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, Father. So this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. And so Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we can be transformed by you. Lord, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you come in final victory and we feast at your heavenly banquet as we pray the prayer that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, friends, we'll have uh, four different stations, two up at the front, two up in the back. We are returning to Intinction today, uh, which is they'll give you a piece of bread and then you will dip the piece of bread in the juice. If you are uncomfortable with that, we do have uh, all-in-ones, gluten-free all-in-ones, both at the front and the back. Well, friends, the table is set Would you come and taste and see that the Lord is good?